I feel like every one of these podcast episodes, I say that I'm in Austin, Texas, and I am. Hey, everyone. I'm Andrew. I'm the founder of Mixergy. Yes, I am in Austin, Texas. And here's why it's relevant in this interview. This is a state that prides itself on being so free. Do whatever you want. And so what I want is to buy whiskey. I just want to, I want to buy freaking whiskey. I went to the grocery store. They don't sell in the grocery store. I come from California where you could buy whiskey, good whiskey at Trader Joe's at a great price. You can't buy it at the grocery store here. You have to go to a special liquor store. The special liquor store sells it for twice the price of anywhere else in the country anyway, or at least twice the price that I paid in California. I don't know anywhere else in the country because they have this restriction, number of stores that can, that can offer it. And the reason that I bring this up is because even in Texas, there are restrictions on how whiskey, how alcohol can be sold. And it's frustrating for people like me, but it's even more frustrating for the creators. Imagine a creator who makes delicious whiskey, and I find out about it by maybe seeing their Instagram account, and I want to go to their website and buy it. And what do I do? I see that there's a link to go and find it in my local store, which you know means I'm never going to find it in my local store. I'm just going to go back in and buy my local Glenn Levitt and move on with my life or Laphroaig and forget. Well, today's guest said, you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You know what? If Andrew really likes a shirt, he can buy the shirt directly from the company that that has the Instagram account that links to the shop, and then he can just buy it until it gets delivered to his house. And he wanted to find a way to make it kosher with all the legal entities around the country, and he did it. And the the site, the software is called Barcart. It's like a shopping cart for anyone who's selling spirits. And it automatically, in the background, creates that beautiful shopping experience that we've come to know. But more importantly, it redirects the order to a local store that has permission from the state and got the whiskey or whatever from the, you know what, that got it and can send it over. So basically what he does is he gets rid of all that annoying stuff and packages it up in a nice little shopping experience. His name is Adi Pal. He's nodding the whole time I'm talking about this because he knows how frustrating it is for people like me and more frustrating it is for creators, for distillers. And I invited him here to talk about how he came up with this idea, how he's growing it, and maybe I could vent a little bit. Let's try not to let me vent. Please, Adi, if you see me vent, will you stop me? I will try. Yes. uh, I was just listening to that. That was great. Yeah. There's no upside in venting. There's an upside in in solving it the way that you did. I should say this interview is sponsored by uh, Gusto. If you need to pay your people, use Gusto. He's nodding about that too. And Lemon, if you need to hire developers, I'll tell you later why you should go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. But first, Adi, good to have you here, man. Perfect. And yeah, glad to be here, man. Thanks. How much revenue are you guys producing? Uh, we're, we're over 10 million um, uh, this year, uh, as of 2021, yeah. And the way that you get that you count revenue is amount of liquor sold, not your yep. share of it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So GMV. Uh, we have two different sort of revenue streams. Right? One is the uh, uh, ARR, essentially, for the use of our platform, where uh, the, the software fees. And then the other one is our take, uh, our essentially marketplace value, the, uh, the GMV on all the transactions through Barcard. Do you make money uh, as a percentage of the transaction or yeah. do you, you do in addition yeah, to yeah. software that you have that's the shopping cart experience? Yeah. So it's ARR plus take rate. Okay. The transactions, yeah. Am I right about the way that it works? It works like if I had a distillery, let's say I, I want to make whiskey in 12 years. In the meantime, I'll sell Moonshine, which is a whiskey that hasn't been sitting long enough. 
I talk about it on my podcast. I sip it with some friends, maybe on YouTube. And now I list it on my site. If I work with you, how do I get it out to my customers, to my fans? Well, we'll give you a, a free trial, you know, for your first month that you do this. But the way this would work is you would come onto Barcard, you would upload your product, you would point and click and design a checkout button, which is just a you know, few lines of code that you would copy and paste on your website where you want to sell the whiskey. And anybody who comes to the site at that point is essentially able to click on the button, add the product to an embedded shopping cart that slides out, make a purchase, and behind the scenes, that order is going to get routed to a retailer around the country that can fulfill it to the customer, you know, based on the address that they're going to. And does Barkart have the direct relationships with all those retailers or are you working yeah. with someone else? You do. No, Barkart, uh, these are retailers in our network. We have retailers that uh, we uh, invite to join our platform. And then we have retailers that our brands bring to our platform as well, which is as easy as just, you know, clicking a button and inviting retailers. Got it. And board. so the customer doesn't have to know which retailer is servicing the, the uh, deal, or do they? It depends. So, uh, and that's where regulations come in. Um, mm. We make that information available because the sale takes place between a retailer and the customer. I see. And the liquor you know, regulators are pretty clear about that, that they want the customer to be aware of that. They want the customer to know the name and uh, they want to know that it's, it's it's not just being all the sales now being directed to one retailer, which isn't compliant. So we are, you know, our checkout is designed. We couldn't use an out of the box checkout because there's nothing that was designed to do this. And we used, we tried, and venting is good because we vented a lot, and 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 that resulted in, in in this new checkout essentially. And the checkout looks beautiful. It's finally coming to like regular distillers. I wish more people used it. I hate when they say, go find it at your local retailer. Let's talk about how you got here and how you built up the business. You were, I thought you were doing like, weren't you doing microfinance just before this? Right. Yeah, well, a few years prior to that. So that was 2008, you know, uh, at Stars in My Eyes and wanted to uh, uh, do a startup. I was in India for two years, uh, decided to start do a microfinance venture. It was another regulated space. I don't know how I find myself in these, but it was essentially uh, allowing uh, you know people like you and me over here to be able to lend to microfinance companies in India who at that to time microfinance were companies, right? Yeah, because lending to the end uh, borrower in 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 a market like India was very tough in microfinance. Servicing that loan is tough, so you lend to the companies that work with those borrowers on a okay. daily basis at those villages. Point is, there was a big arbitrage play because um, those microfinance companies were borrowing at like 25%. So that was a ridiculous rate. And obviously over here, this is 2008, you know, the, the, the depression or recession. Yeah. Um, so we were able to find an arbitrage where people over here would make a good return. Obviously, there's a risk involved, but these were comp- that's why we were working with the companies. But long story short, you know, uh, that's what I was doing. But, you know, tricky space uh finance cross-border um uh, transfer of funds and then um one fine day we woke up the law literally was changed by somebody who said you know what let's let's stop the flow of foreign funds into this sector of our economy and that's it that was a startup yeah i got what was the sector well into the microfinance sector oh, so into microfinance okay yeah. so your whole business basically was done Literally and, the business model, yeah. It's like somebody took our pitch deck and shut it down, yeah. 
And so at that point, did you decide, forget it, I'm going to open a little store? Yeah. So we actually, you know, we, we had a social component to that business, which we left running and it still does today. So it's involved in providing uh, basic healthcare to people in India, the scams that we do. So that's, I'm really proud of that. Something did come out of that. But then I, you know, I came back over here and um, I, I was at Citigroup, Citibank, uh, uh, in the derivatives technology side. Uh, so another regulated space, um, uh, building, building trading and risk applications for uh, credit derivatives. Um, and that's what I was doing prior to the microfinance. That's what I was doing. I came back to that. Um, and I did that for a while. Um, and it's actually what I, I, I only, you know, half joke when I say this, that that's what kind of drove me to the alcohol sector. But there's a lot of similarities, actually, because in, in our world, in, in the banking sector, it was all dictated by who had the licenses to issue a product, who had the licenses to sell that product. There were brokers involved. Um, you know, when you're selling it to the customer, what are the rules and regulations per state? It sounds like whiskey, you know, sounds like um, the U.S. At least. Then how'd you end up with a little liquor store? Was it a, right. it was a liquor store, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a while back. So, you know, um, I'm married, I was married back then as well. And wife and I decided with this really no, there's a lot of shitty investments out there. We don't know what to do with our money. Let's just get a little liquor store. And, you know, we were into craft spirits. We're like, this is going to be great. A great sort of side business, fun business, you know. And huh. uh, Seriously? Uh, the, like a fun thing is to have a store that you have to show up in where you're selling <laughs> know, things for like 35 stupid, bucks? But, you know, we were younger and stupider, so. Okay. Um, no, well, the thing yeah, is that it, yeah. you're in derivatives. You're in New York yeah. at the time, right? You're a yeah, guy who's yeah. around ambition. When you go to a small craft store, is it with this idea that something big could come of it? Or is it just a nice little investment? No, to be fair, yeah, I I saw something similar, right? Because we were seeing a lot of craft spirits coming onto the market and they were available to people who knew which stores to go to. Same thing as what you said, they weren't widely available. Now, naively, I'm like, let's do this store. It'll be you know, a nice sort of side uh, hustle. It is New York, everyone needs one. And um, I wanted to see if we can take it online and reach a wider population. It seemed like a simple concept. To ah, start okay. So doing it was it. a small store, craft craft liquor that you love, and yeah. the bigger yeah. vision maybe is let's sell this also online. Okay, I kind of get exactly. what you're what you're going for. What part it of New York like were you going to do this in? This was the store was in Manhattan. The store still exists. I just don't own it anymore. But you know, the store was in the city, um, and uh, you know, it was a fun little thing. You know, uh, Friday evening you show up, you have tastings, make a lot of friends. It's a great industry, honestly. It's 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 a lot of fun. What did it cost um, then, to set up this store? Oh, it was, you know, we found the cheapest store in the city. So I think it was like two fifty k at that point. Um, we got a loan for two hundred fifty thousand dollars to set it up to make it look nice to buy the whiskey. The... Yeah, well, you have to. We bought an existing store uh, it's okay. because the licensing is easier to do that than to start a new one. Um, okay. And yeah, uh, you know that, and essentially, uh, we got a loan for it, an SBA loan. SBA is great, so. You know, uh, so you borrowed the money in order to buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much money did you borrow? I think we put down a hundred, close to a hundred. I think, yeah. Okay. I, I would say not, the, not too much. Yeah. I'm spending a lot of time on this because suddenly this little thing that I was poo pooing earlier sounds like fun, <laughs> right? Can people well, come fun, in, yeah. do a tasting? Oh, yeah. It's great, and, and you know so that's how we 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 didn't know anything about the industry. 
we had never retail is not even met family anywhere or we learned a lot, the two of us. We, we learned how the industry works, how the business works, how the product, you know, the, the three-tier system, really. Learned a lot. And at that point, I started seeing this similarity. I'm like, wait, it's set up very similar to banking with the licensing and the restrictions. Three-tier system is yeah. the person who makes it cannot sell it to the end consumer. They have to That's sell right. it to a distributor who sells it to the store who sells it to the end consumer. Yep, see, simple, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was Simple. put in place to Logical prevent Al Capone too. from becoming too big. Um, okay. So that's how why they separated this out, so they could see his business at every level, and then they got okay. him on tax evasion. So. Okay. That's All right. literally why. Um, yeah. So I see that you're looking at it. You're going online. How did your online business do? Well, initially it did great. Uh, it was a very you know niche sector. We did a good job of curating products. There was demand for it, not enough supply. It did great right out the gate. And then about maybe, I would say, a little less than a year in or close to a year in, uh, we started growing bigger and we realized what we're doing isn't exactly compliant. A store in New York is restricted in terms of where it can sell and what it can ship and where it can ship to. And we started learning that so on the job, literally. So you initially would get orders, put them into boxes, and mail them anywhere in the country? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we realized uh, there's you know, all these restrictions. So we started uh, re uh, reducing our footprint in terms of where we could ship to. And it just wasn't making too much sense. Customers were getting frustrated. You had existing customers who you couldn't service anymore. So then we said, how do we solve this? And we said, let's partner up with the retailers because we know there are other good retailers out there. We're already, we're already figuring out what product to bring in. So we started curating the selection on Mashing Grape and working with retailers in different states to say, hey, listen, bring this product in. We've got the orders. And they were more than happy because they got essentially it. get a buyer essentially, right, to... So essentially what, what Barcart does now, you were doing just for your one store. Exactly. Anyone who wanted to buy from you. How did you get so many customers that you were then routing to local stores nationally? Um, I think, you know, that's uh, that's the beautiful thing about our uh, the mashing grape piece. It's a curated selection of products. It's not what you would normally see on the homepage of, you know, most other uh, 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 online platforms like this. Uh it's as simple as, you know, it worked. People actually liked what we picked. Um, and word got around. There's a good store. They, they, they you know, they, they have good customer service. And they, they have good selections. So it but was you weren't especially right time, good at right SEO or social media or anything? No, no. It was literally word of mouth. And it kind of is how it is even today uh, for Barkart. Um yeah, it's actually, you know, very, very uh, rewarding to see that you do the right thing. Timing does matter, of course. You do the right thing. If you got the timing right, yeah, the market rewards you. And by the way, mash and grape, it's the mash is the whiskey right? and yeah. grape is wine. Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah, that's how it came about. Yeah. Um, it is more spirits than wine today. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I don't think you've. I don't think they've expanded much beyond whiskey, right? Um, Maybe well, gin. Well, spirits, yeah, yeah. Well, whiskey and gin do remain our biggest two categories. And then tequila is growing very fast, yeah.
Do you own the online part of the business? Yeah. So the online piece today is separated from the retailer. We sold the retailer off. Again, we can't. So as of today, Mash and Grape and Barcart are one company. It's a marketing company or a third-party provider, as the regulators call us. Uh, very dull. But uh, um, uh, we we still sell online, and all the orders get routed to retail partners, uh, who then fulfill the fulfill the orders. Yeah. Okay, so you started doing this, making phone calls, signing up local stores, getting a mm-hmm. national presence. At what point did you say, I think this can actually help the uh, spirit yeah. makers directly? Yeah, uh, you know, again, happened kind of organically. When you do something like this and you work with craft brands, you know, seven years ago, eight years ago, uh, you build good relationships. And a lot of those brands were saying, telling their customers, go to Mash and Grape. Then they were linking to Mash and Grape for people to purchase their products. And we were always trying to figure out how to optimize that, right? So if you're linking to us, there's going to be, a, you know, there's going to be some drop off. How do we, how do we make that tighter? And that's always been, I guess, it kind of worked out. I, I always cared about that. I'm like, how can we make that customer journey better from the brand's website to this eventual checkout on Mash and Grape? And that's how we, you know, essentially came upon this concept of let's give them a way to check out on the brand's own website. And the first, so you're saying they specifically said, "Look, Adi already knows how to send this out. Why don't we just link over to his site? Exactly. People can get it anywhere in the country. That's an easy way." Who's who's a brand that did that? So I think one of our earliest brands, uh, two of our brands. One was in uh, New York called Cooperstown Distillery, and the other one um, is a Barrel Bourbon. Um, mm-hmm. which is based out of Kentucky, um, both whiskey. And they started yeah. linking to you directly. Yeah, they and were linking it, to us. And it wasn't uncommon to link to a retailer, but it was a little less common to link to somebody like us, which is a marketplace. All right. At what point did you say, okay, I think we've got a new business here that's way better than selling yeah. directly to consumers. We'll power, we'll power other people. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is 2019 is when I think my wife and I both were for the first time full time on it. Um, and we moved upstate to upstate New York um, from New York city um, and said, let's, let's really do this. Cause we, this, this might be something bigger. And so I would say 2019 March roughly. <laughs> you just said, this could be something bigger. Let's create the thing that powers everyone else's who built the software for you. Well, initially, uh, a lot of it was just like, you know, uh, uh, ad hoc consultants that we brought in for specific uh, tasks. Uh, and it wasn't as complicated, but we, you know, we, we, we asked around, we got some uh, uh, great references and then i um, glad, you know, I uh, ended up working with uh, a, a couple of guys out of uh, San Diego um, and the opposite end of the country. And by, I think, 2020, you won't, I mean, the timing, you won't believe the timing, but 2020 May is when we had what resembles today's bar cart a lot. Um, but, you know, uh, it's, it's changed even in the last one year. And 2020 May is, as you might remember, there was a little virus thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was March, I think, that New York City shut down. Um, New, York, New York City shut down. Mm-hmm. And suddenly bars were shut down. and Every a lot of uh, alcohol brands were looking for other ways to sell. And they're like, wait, we could 
this online thing really would work. Uh, and we got right. flooded. Uh, yeah. Let me come back to that in a moment. Yeah. I still want to go back a little bit and understand oh, yeah. what that first version of the software cost and then how you yeah. built it up from there and how you got uh, customers. But first, I should say, anyone out there who's listening who needs to hire developers, I've got the place. Go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. They've got these phenomenal developers based in Eastern Europe mostly, and they're available to work with you remotely. It's a company that we have all watched remotely grow, 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 grow. In fact, uh, the founder, Alex, has said a long time ago that he was just going to show his revenue, show his whole process, show his growth publicly. And so we've all watched him grow from zero to a million, then from one million to where are they now? 2.7 million in sales. And then basically along the way, he said, I'm an entrepreneur too. I'll share my journey as publicly as I can. And he's been super open. And as a result, he got on Mixergy where I interviewed him. And he must have gotten customers because he reached back out and said, Andrew, I want to sponsor and uh, for about a year, I've said, you can't. And now we finally had an opportunity, had an opening, and he signed up. And so here he is. If you need to hire a developer, go with the company that so many of us in the tech community have used. Go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. Oh, and I didn't tell people why they should use the slash Mixergy. It's because he's going to give you a discount on his already low prices. And frankly, so you can give me credit. And I appreciate you doing that. Go to lemon.io slash Mixer G. Well, on the website. Thank you. Yeah. Good copy on their website. They're so funny. Mm, um, what did it cost you? So I know that the, the store cost you $250,000 to buy. 150 mm -hmm. of it was financed by the SBA. When it came time to doing the online thing, what did it cost to build the first version? Well, so the good part was I was selling the store at that point. So I had cash from that. Um, it wasn't a big profit, but I got the cash that I put in back and we were able to put that back in. And it's kind of over a period of time. So uh, if I had to guess, you know, we were at like uh, about 100K, I would say, across uh, two or three developers at different times uh, to get the okay. initial version. Uh, like I said, it was a lot of it was done in projects, you know, um, and we did it over, I think, five months, perhaps. Yeah. And do you need to have a retailer in every state and then start thinking about how to route it all Based I, on where yes. customers are, uh, almost, almost. Um, you could, you know, club a few states together because uh, uh, based on where retailers can reach. But yeah, um, bless you. Uh, I did Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I was suppressing a sneeze there. So I'm actually on Grape and Mash right now, and I'm afraid to hit the buy button. You're mash and Grape, yeah, yeah. Mash and Grape, excuse <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So it's so freaking easy because there's a pay, uh, an Apple Pay button, which I love. So I hit the buy with Apple. I select the shipping. Let's say this uh, place here in Austin. I've got my credit card and everything in there. Oh, I don't want to double tap, but I don't even see where it's coming from. It's just super fast. So uh, you are probably going to get fulfilled from Buda, Buda, Texas. I'm okay. not very familiar with Texas, but I believe okay. Buda is nearby. And that's probably where your order will come from, depending on what you're ordering, obviously. Um, but yeah, uh, this, this website right now, Mashing Grape, behind the scenes is our platform. So that order is going to yeah. hit Barcard, which the best way to explain it, you know, without sort of sharing my screen and doing a demo would be to say it's like a Shopify on the back end, right? You see all your orders come in. So I'll be able to see your order come in. I'll be able to see which retailer it gets assigned to. Uh -huh. um, the retailer is also on the platform and the retailer is then update, you know, logging on or getting a notification confirming the order, uh, printing a label. They've got their UPS and FedEx accounts connected. They're able to uh, print labels. Um, so you so you, so you, have an order status page uh, that you will be able to see the order status change as the retailer is updating the order. 
our ops team is on it, making sure things are moving. If you're buying this from a brand's website, the brand is able to see that. Uh, but that's that whole meat and potatoes behind this. And you know, this is mash and grape. It could be any. It could be the New York Times. Yeah. It doesn't it's, matter what the website super, is. Yeah. It's super slick. I can't even see who's shipping it. I can see that it would cost me $15 to have it delivered here. Um, but I, I, it's just so fast and so Yeah, smooth. and that's the okay. flat rate shipping we've negotiated with our retailers across the country. Yeah. Okay, so you had the retailers. I'm imagining that's a pretty easy thing to do, right? To call them up, to get them to use your software. How hard was it? It's actually not hard to reach out to retailers. The hard part is convincing them that this makes sense and why they should go with you. And the harder part is uh, just sort of, you know, the day-to-day, making sure that this is not something they've been doing. This is new for them. Um, come Christmas, they're not going to hire 10 people to for something that they don't know, right? So that means right. the guy who's uh, manning the, the you know, the, the cash register is the one packing your orders um, when he's free, that is, right? Right. Um, uh, in most cases. So that was the case back then. Everyone was on double duty at the stores and they were doing this and things have grown. You know, we were able to, we were able to deliver actual value to them where they're like, guess what? This is actually a good channel for me. And I'm going to hire somebody. I'm going to hire one person. Now I got two. Now some of our retailers have, you know, a 10,000 square feet warehouse with 30 people packing, picking, packing. Mm. Uh, with a customer support team, you know, and an outsourced team. So it's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's, it's really growing in front of our eyes. Yeah. Okay. But at first, uh, it was you making phone calls to retailers, telling them what you're looking to do. You're going to get them customers sometimes, sometimes you, sometimes who else? Um, I was mostly the uh, one sort of getting the retailers on board, trying to explain to them. Um, and yeah, it was it was a small team. It was like three of us, me, my wife. Uh, another person who was sort of helping us with the operations, right? Ops. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and, and and meanwhile, handling customer support. Um, then we hired somebody for customer support. But yeah. But it, it wasn't, you know, people understood. People had, some of them had already heard about us. So that helped. They knew that we're not focused on the big box items and we're not just looking at the really hard to get stuff, which anybody can sell online. Uh, we were, in fact, trying to find good brand, good products. Um, and, you know, there's a concept of a buyer in stores. Uh, not many stores, not many small independent stores have a dedicated buyer. So we kind of acted as the buyer for them. So what, what they also liked was we would essentially tell them, here are 10 products that we think are great. Would you carry them this month? And they're like, great. You just did the buying for me. Mm that I can also put on my shelf and impress my customers. And you're bringing me customers. Of course. And you're bringing me sales for them. Um, so it's a, it's a, you know, you're helping me move product. You're helping me improve my selection. What about the makers then? So the retailers are just getting you the supply and getting it out to customers. It's the distilleries. It's the, it's the, do you work with yeah. winemakers too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how did you get those? You know, that's where I think the retail angle really helped. Because, again, as a retailer, we had established relationships. And, it, you know, the industry is beautiful. Um, you you start working with one small whiskey brand that no one's heard of. Suddenly that whiskey brand blows up because it is good whiskey. And you were talking about them before anyone else was. The five other whiskey brands that want to be this whiskey brand will find you. Because 
you've now become and today we call them influencers they didn't call them uh they didn't use that word but you know um um yeah you've essentially uh, uh amassed an audience of people who discovered this whiskey through you so if you now like five other whiskeys and tell them about those whiskeys you know uh it'll help their sales and that's how people found us so that's how distilleries and producers and brands found us they found you what well, did you have a process that worked for getting them to get on the call with you for selling to them in the beginning no not at all yeah no um, no it wasn't very structured and you know maybe i would have thought been, that's yeah. where the growth came from from you finding more people who are making uh spirits making uh wine who are then going to be using your software and helping you promote no actually initially right right the whole uh this is now before this is still mashing grapes so this is still 2019 2019, we're still primarily a marketplace selling online and uh, selling products that we think are good, based on you know uh, tastings we're attending and and um, and reaching out and reading stories and doing our research. So that's how most of these products were ending up on Mashing Grape, um, and then obviously word of mouth, people reaching out saying I've got a new tequila, I've got a new gin, so on and so forth. Now come 2020, things were a little different. Um, when people needed Barcart, an online sales channel on their own website. But 2019 was mashing great for the most part. Because, oh, 2019, okay. And then when the pandemic hit, that's when they started Mm -hmm. coming to you? Right, because now bars got shut down, restaurants got shut down, and they wanted to sell online. And they're like, how can we do that? They started Googling, and then they found you. Uh, So yeah, initially for most brands, right, the strategy was, and in fact, this was a concerted strategy. They're like e-commerce, is the focus for us this year. Yeah. Find every e-commerce retailer uh, and tell them to carry our product. So they were okay. reaching out to Mash and Grape saying, carry our product. We're like, we've got a better solution for you. And at this point, we had done actual tests with a couple of the brands that I mentioned, where if the sale took place on Mash and Grape versus the sale took place on the brand's own website, what the conversion rates were, we had done A-B tests on, on Facebook ads sending them to Mash and Grape, uh, you know, if the brand runs an ad and sends them to a retailer's website as opposed to their own website, we were seeing three, almost three to four times better performance when the sale was um, essentially, when the ad was uh, 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 consistent with the domain name, right? With the, uh, you're uh, saying yeah. if you bought an ad, sending people over to Mash and Grape mm-hmm. versus one sending them over to the to the creator site, exactly, yeah. you found better sales from the creator site, better conversion rate. Okay, and but what you're almost saying though times, is, yeah, almost four times more. Four and times, so yeah. what you're saying also is that you you were getting called because you were a retailer from these makers saying list us, and you said, well, we can list you, but. Why don't you also sell on your own website? You'll do better than we ever could. Have a direct exactly. relationship with your customers. We got the software in place, and so yep. when they were reaching out into reaching out to you, you had an opportunity to sell them on the the product that's a better long term fit for you. That's exactly it. Yeah, and, and it, that, you know, it, it was definitely cannibalizing the mash and grape business. Which at that point, just to clarify, wasn't a retailer; it was an online marketplace. You know, to separate it from the retailers we were working with. Um, but yeah, it definitely cannibalized the marketplace model, but it was a better product. You know, we can't, so Barcard cannibalized mash and grape, but I'm glad we did because otherwise someone else would have. Yeah. All right. Second sponsor, Gusto. Do you know Gusto for paying oh, people? Yeah. 
great. You do? Yeah. I'm, yeah. One of my, when we had the retail store, actually, that was running on Gusto. Um, Use Gusto for the retail store. Yeah. Yeah. What do you remember experience. about Gusto and how it worked back then? Easy, intuitive. They thought about a lot of the things. They must have, you know, be using it. They solved a lot of their own problems. But sometimes I would see things, I'm like, wow, I didn't even think about that. You guys thought about it. Thank you. That really helps. <laughs> they are phenomenal. One thing that I don't even know how to even bring up in here is that they just have good customer support. Yeah. I know that for most of this stuff, it just works. But if you ever have an issue, if you ever have a question, if the people on your team have a question with HR, with getting paid, you want to have a team of people who can stand by and be there for support. So I'm using them now because, uh, frankly, everyone on my team is 1099, and I want an easy way to pay the contractors who work yep. for me. If you're out there listening to me and you have 1099 uh, contractors who are working for you or full-time employees or a combination, Gusto will work with you. They will make it really easy for you to pay and for your people to get paid and see what they're getting paid and to see their benefits and so much more. If you want to get started with them for free, this is a perfect time of year to do it. Even if you've already paid and run payroll with a different company, they will transition you well. Just go to gusto.com slash Mixergy. You should have an easy way to pay your people. Use that URL. They'll let you try them for free and let you continue to use them for a very low price. Great service. Gusto.com slash Mixergy. Hey, you come from India? Yeah, originally. Yeah. yeah. What was your childhood like there? Uh, my parents were doctors, um, so I was supposed to be a doctor. I disappointed them and became a computer engineer. Um, I'll never live it down. But oh, I didn't realize uh, you were an engineer. Yeah, it makes sense that you are, right? Because you were in IT the whole time, even when you were doing derivatives, you were in yeah, the technology yeah. side of it. Well, I actually went in, I was a hardware engineer. I was supposed to design, you know, iPhones maybe. Uh, uh -huh. But hey, you know. Uh, that was I your dream to then. do that. Well, that was my uh, my <laughs> senior year project. I I designed a coffee mug that would display. This is two thousand and five. Yeah, designed uh -huh. a coffee mug that would display sports scores on it. You know, <laughs> uh -huh. um, wirelessly. <laughs> so it's like you know, look at your score. Then you drink your coffee. Cool. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, software. Ended up so how'd you end software. up on Wall Street then? Well, this was I, I was in New York, and Wall Street was hiring. This is two thousand and five. Things are still booming, you know. Um, they were hiring. If you could read, you would get hired probably. So that's mm -hmm. how I got hired. I wasn't very good and, at yeah, this, yeah. yeah. And 2005 was still the trough in the internet, the, just before things were starting to pick back up again, right? Well, Wall Street was booming, right, at that time. So Wall Street was, was booming. Mortgages and stuff were booming. Right. So I got hired into derivatives. Right. I got hired into credit derivatives, which were based on mortgages, yeah. <laughs> which for a long time was like the hot part oh, of yeah. the market to be in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was actually very exciting work, academically and intellectually challenging. Phenomenal. Learned a lot, worked hard, great group of guys. Because derivatives guys. Are, are financial instruments that get their value from other financial instruments. From an underlying, yeah, yeah, instrument, exactly, yeah. And so the, the I'm a derivative part of my for you parents. was... Yeah. Um, right. And so then what's, what part got you excited? What was it that was so exciting for you to be? I mean, analytical, right? Just solve problem solving. Problem solving, uh -huh. uh, at this point, I know what I like. And problem solving is definitely something I really enjoy, um, which, you know, my wife hates sometimes because she just wants to vent, but I want to solve that problem. Um, we're working on that. But my point is, yeah, I like the problem solving. And this was a big problem. Um, and you're reading about it in the news every day and you're working on it. 
it, it was good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. How rich did you see people get back there? Well, you know, we 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 saw um, you know people were doing well on the on the uh, sort of trading desk, right? Uh, and you saw the numbers, but you get you sort of get immune to those numbers, right? All those zeros at one point. A derivative contract is uh, you know can be a very very large number, and it doesn't mean anything. It's just another number at that point. It's so unrealistic. Uh, so what are you going to do now to grow? It feels to me like what happened was you got a, like a, a rocket put behind you because of COVID and people were willing to go home. They were drinking more at home uh, yeah. than they ever had before. Yeah. And so now what do you do? Well, you know, it's interesting. We've, uh, we're now focusing a lot on, on connecting the entire ecosystem. Because that's the biggest problem. All the various players aren't on one platform. So imagine a world where the customer, the retailer, the distributor, the salesperson, the importer, the producer, and there's a lot of players in this. We're all somehow connected. And you know, the order could flow through, you know, from, from the creator from the producer to the customer. And there's full transparency and tracking, right? Um uh, that's the ideal scenario. So, but so Barcard right now, you know, does what it does well, uh, and what we're focusing on on behind the scenes is working with the industry players to say, how can Barcard work for you? How can it work for a distributor? How can it work? Because you for want a to be retailer? the place where they all talk and connect with each other. Exactly. Yeah, and, and not and just with the, each other, right? And interact with each other, transact. I see. So if they can all be one, maybe through software, they can operate more efficiently together. Yeah, it's 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 not unlike uh, an Uber or any marketplace model, right? It's just that the participants in here are, it's a many-to-many problem, essentially. Um, but um, right now, the issue is that uh, we're, 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 we have a lot of layers, and each layer has a lot of players. Um, each state has different rules. So even if you were to solve for New York, doesn't mean you've solved for Cal- uh, Texas or California um, or Jersey, for that matter. What do you mean? Like what type of rule is different from yeah. one state to the other that would impact you? So you're from California. Uh, you could walk into uh-huh. a grocery store and buy liquor, right? Yep. You can't do that Gas in New station York. Maybe. You can't do that in Texas. Did you know you can't no. do that in New York, which is the second, well, New York City is the largest market for most brands. You can't walk into a liquor store and get a lemon for your cocktail. You can get all the other ingredients. By law, they can a liquor store can only sell wine, spirits, and and non-carbonated water. Yeah. Oh, I see. They can't even sell the ingredients for a cocktail. They just have to have the spirits. Got it. And then is do they still no, they don't have the Sunday morning rule anymore, right? Where you're yeah, not that, allowed to get alcohol in the morning. New York's uh, done with that, yeah. Yeah. Well, there is a okay. time limit, but yeah. But and again, that's another good point. Connecticut has different rules, different rules on pricing. So it's unlike fine unlike derivatives, it's actually I would say a tougher challenge in the alcohol space because you're you don't have a consistent set of rules across the country. So you have to yeah. first Build for New York and California, maybe your biggest markets, Texas, Florida, Illinois, and and see where all that fits and then plug the rest of the sort of gaps, right? Or, or morph it. 
And do you think that the growth is going to come from smaller distilleries from having a lot of them? Or is it going to be like, I think I saw that you have Johnny Walker on your platform, you have Glenn Levitt. Yeah, on the Mashable website, yes. And, and, and yeah, we, we've got, you know, we've got some, some of the larger brands, you know, we've got Sazerac, which makes everyone's desired Pappy Van Winkle and, you know, all that. Um, oh, I didn't know they made that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they're they're uh-huh. one of the largest. Yeah. So, so we've got uh, uh, the growth. It's interesting. It's a great question, actually. And you know, if you had asked me that question, say last year, I would have said, yeah, there's you know, there's going to be it's going to be driven by a lot of the newer brands, but also there's some regulatory changes in the works uh, with some bills that are sitting in different states that could literally change the landscape and blow it wide open. Um, you know, there's direct shipping bills, uh, there's, uh, uh, there's even within states, <clears throat> uh, more on the supplier side, right? And those, those, those bills are really going to dictate how this market goes. Um, and that could uh, result in some of the well-known established brands that already have brand awareness, uh, essentially immediately uh, seeing a huge growth in sales. But also on the flip side, it would make it easier for a new brand, a small brand, your moonshine, uh, to reach custo- more customers quickly. Well, what's the law that's going to do that? Uh, interstate shipping, right? So shipping across state lines. Uh, ah, that might be possible. State. Yeah. So today, wine, <clears throat> a retailer can ship wine to uh, 13 or 14 states, I believe. Um, and, and that changes. So We've partnered up with a company that handles uh, one of the two largest companies that uh, handles all the compliance rules and stays on top of it and taxes, right? Uh, tax collection and stuff. So Barcart is actually the only app certified by them, by Avalara, this company, um, to to do this. Um, and as part of that, we're kind of aware of what the changing regulations are. Um, this is one of the proposed ones. Um, and we're seeing it at a state level, it's changing. Um, intrastate and across states, there's you know there's bills and uh, as part of uh, uh, one of the industry associations we're part of. I know there's a big push, um, Distillers Council in the U.S. There's a big push to open up DTC. E-commerce is you know the, the cat's out of the bag now. They're trying to figure out uh, how to regulate it, which is what happened again in the financial industry. You've got this Do you product. Think that and, so you're saying there's going to be a world where I could make my own whiskey and then ship it nationally yes. to just about every state. Hopefully so. That yeah. could come um, soon. We just don't know how long it'll take, but there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to, right? You so can then do that if, with if wine that today. exists, then where do you fit in? Wouldn't somebody just want to use Shopify or any other yeah. tool? So they could. We, so we, Barcart, and see, that's the other question you asked earlier. What are we, where, where is growth coming from next, right? So Barcart today is a universal checkout for a, a an alcohol brand. That means yeah. if you sell in stores, if you have pickup, delivery, shipping from stores, if you sell DTC, uh, if you sell on third-party websites, wait, you sell in UK, you sell in France, sure, you sell okay. in Canada. We can combine all of that under one checkout with and, 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 and build and in the back end, you figure out how to ship it out, whether it's going to be this me shipping it or some third party. And even on the front end, right? The, the, the way the funds have to move are not mm. exactly how it happens in every other vertical. If yeah. you were making a t-shirt and selling it online on, say, Shopify, you know, the funds would hit your bank account through your credit card processor. Well, that's not allowed. 
you can't do that in alcohol. So the funds have to go somewhere else. Um, also, uh, uh, the the rules for every state. New York State wants to know the retailer's name. Massachusetts wants to know the retailer's name, and five other retailers. They know that. So, building a checkout that accommodates all the differences across the states, you still need a solution. Uh, okay, and that's what we're building. Yeah. Do you think someone can use Barcart to create an online store? Well, matching Just... is that, and yes, so. Yes, and meaning have, they curate yeah. the they curate the spirits that they want and have it be theirs that fits with their vibe. So if there's like yeah, an yeah. Instagrammer who has a vibe and then wants to create their own mm-hmm. store to yeah, sell whiskey yeah. that they curate or rum that they they could do that. We're we yes we have two such clients already. Um, one is uh, a yeah I, uh, um, they're going live Feb um, I think was a website owned by Sazerac that um, highlights all their, you know, sort of portfolio brands. Another one is Wine Enthusiast, who's already an active partner, and they have the bar card checkout on their on their website for a bunch of their products, yeah. Right, so somebody could just create a virtual store that fits with what their, with their vibe, or maybe even yeah. sell whiskey or other yeah. alcohol as part of a bigger store. Oh, yeah, if you have... A website that's getting traffic and you want to be able to sell you know wine spirits yeah in a compliant manner right a bar cart i mean it takes us if you want if you were talking about your moonshine for real on this call by the end of this call we could have you selling online it's we have gotten a brand live in four hours so um, i wish i liked moonshine you know because it is just faster whiskey it's whiskey that takes no time to to age age yeah yeah but uh, it just sucks so badly. There's it's some good so stuff out painful. there, honestly. There is some. Is there? Stuff. Recommend yeah. good moonshine. What do you got? I yeah, I you know I don't want to play favorites, but I'll definitely email you some. Yeah, after this. Okay, yeah. I'd love to try yeah. good moonshine. I will. Moonshine yeah, yeah. was always in my in my whiskey tasting nights. Moonshine was one of the last things I'd let people taste, just so they could feel the pain in comparison to the good whiskey that we had. Right. And wow. then I had the kind that came in a jar, so that felt like an interesting yeah. vibe, you know. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's more like White Dog, which is this unaged whiskey. That's the category I'm talking it. about. Um, yeah. That is, you know, it's good whiskey. It's just not aged. And it really is a, it's a great huh. sipping whiskey that I've had, yeah. We work with a few right. clear whiskeys, essentially. You got to send it over to me. I like your vibe. I like uh, Mash and Grapes design. I like the, you, yeah. the whiskeys that you're listing here. You guys are not selling them for very expensive. That's good, too. Yeah, and we, you know, uh, we we... We really enjoy the mash and grape side of the business. It's it really is fun, and that's what I think keeps us going. It's not it's not dry, you know. It's no fun intended there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So for anyone who wants to go check you out, if they know somebody who's in the in the liquor business, they should go check out Bar Cart. By the way, your competitors. We talked before we got started. I heard that one of your competitors is shipping from one location in California on behalf of distilleries. Is is that going to get them shut down? Are they potentially going to go to jail for that? It it's not kosher. Um, it's not compliant. Um, the bigger risk is to the brands that are using a platform like that, or anybody, right? That could be out of California, out of Florida. Uh, and this is the one thing that, even as Discus members, as uh, uh, you know, industry participants, that's the one thing I would say. We want brands to do the research. Know what's allowed, know what's not allowed. Check us out. You don't have to go with Barcard, right? 
but at least then but you one know of your competitors is doing is asking for forgiveness not permission like they're doing the thing that you're legally not allowed to do that. yeah and so the challenge with that is that when the regulators come after them the sad part is they first go to the brand and they put a cease and desist on the brand what they say you're doing something which we can't figure out doesn't look clean to us cease and desist while we look into your operations that could be the you know death sort of you know null for for a brand and what's happened to a brand actually ironically out of california um and the liability you know the 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 loss at that point is for the brand um they're the ones losing the business and potentially their, right. you know, their entire business. I wonder how they justify it. I wonder who they have on their staff that makes them feel that that's okay. It, it, it does go against everything we know about the industry. Yeah. And, you know, the industry is maturing. There's going to be more education. There's going to be actual guidance coming out from regulators. In the absence of that, it is, an, it is a little bit of a wild west, but uh, it won't be for too long. And, you know, the good solutions exist. Good solutions exist. All right. Thank you so much for being on here. Congratulations on the success with Barcart. And I, I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first, if you need to pay your people, go check out gusto.com slash Mixergy. And the second, when you're ready to hire developers, great developers, highly vetted, you know their reputation. In fact, go go look on Twitter, see what people have said about working with Lemon. When you're ready to work with them, go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. And I'm appreciative of them and of you. Hadi, congratulations. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me.